We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Welcome to episode 21, part two. Last week, the guys discussed Rutledge versus PCMA with Scott Pace. This week, they'll pick up the conversation with COVID-19 testing and vaccinations. I was really scanning y'all's stuff. You guys are doing, you have a whole separate, like, I'm going to say building, um, but area for uh, COVID vaccinations. You guys are already started those. Um, a, a super tester for the most part as well. Um, just kind of talk a little bit about y'all, y'all, your own COVID kind of preparedness and response at, at the pharmacy with Ann. Yeah. Well, first of all, a big shout out to my wife, Ann, who oh, yeah. actually runs actually runs our pharmacy. Yes. As we joke uh, in the house, I'm, I'm the guy who kind of brings a vision to the table and I'm like, here, we're going to do this. Figure it out. And uh, <laughs> um, which, by the way, causes only minor marital difficulty. Um, just a little bit. No, but we have, we have we're a great team. Actually, we we come together on ideas. We try to figure out implementation and, and how to do it. And and uh, and I'll jump into the specifics, starting with testing here in just a second. But what's so great about being an independent pharmacy owner is that you can try something today, and yeah. if it doesn't work, you can change it tomorrow. Yes. And I know that I know that that sounds so simple to all of us who own pharmacies. But think about how it is in larger organizations to try to turn that ship. It just is impossible to do in a timely manner. And that's one of the reasons we've been so successful the last seven or eight months in this COVID world uh, is because we've been able to be nimble. Um, So I'll just start back in March. Um, In March, much like the rest of the world, uh, we woke up one morning not knowing if the economy was going to shut down, not knowing how many people were going to lose their jobs, not knowing a gazillion things. And, and we all had that kind of fret about, are we going to be able to um, you know, get food at the grocery store? Are we going to have patients coming in? Do we need to shut our lobbies? All of those things we all went through. And so the very first thing we did um, was go buy as many beans as possible and prepare for doomsday and <laughs> toilet, stock up on Toilet it. paper, right? <laughs> toilet yeah. paper, Gosh. like everybody else. Yeah. The second thing we did was try to figure out Okay, financially, what happens to us if all of this stuff changes? So, you know, you you look at your cash on hand uh, at the pharmacy, you look at it personally, you look at, you know, what if we what if we can't take money out of the store for, you know, six months uh, because of this, that and the other. And so, you know, you start just to try to prepare. And then after, you know, six or eight weeks when you feel like, okay, well, I think we're we've got our footing under us. We see kind of where this thing might be headed don't feel completely threatened, but I don't feel completely good. So how do we become part of the solution? How do we turn it into an entrepreneurial opportunity? Where do we go from here? So I started doing a lot of extensive uh, research on antibody tests initially, okay. um, th- thinking that those could be a way that um, maybe maybe that's a way to make a little bit of money. Maybe it's a way to help people out um, and quickly became convinced that antibody tests will be useful at some point in time, but they were not in the early days of the, of the pandemic because right. the volume of people that were, had been positive was so small that you could test a gazillion people and not find very many people that possessed antibodies. Mm-hmm. And even if you did at that point, what does that really mean? I mean, even if you found IgM and no IgG, then, then maybe they're still contagious. Maybe they're outside of their 10 day quarantine window at that point. I mean, they're, there was uh, the antibody tests just weren't going to be as as useful as as I thought they were going to be in the early days. In some of the early approved or kind of 
rubber stamp approval tests were unreliable at best. Absolutely. I mean, there was some colloidal gold stuff that was just crap that came to the market. The FDA, you know, caused mass chaos by basically saying manufacturers just send yeah. stuff to the market. We'll we'll avoid any sort of approval process right now just because we think that'll help. And it actually just created more chaos. Right. Uh, but but nonetheless, um, so we, we quickly went and said, eh, that's not the way to go. Uh, and I started visiting with a, a good buddy of mine who's actually a hedge fund manager. And we started looking at patterns of, of what's happening in China, what's happening in okay. Europe, what might be coming to the United States. Uh, and we would talk nightly for hours about what does the data look like overseas? What 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 are the opportunities here? Uh, watching what the FDA was doing, um, following antigen tests, which were starting to look promising. Uh, the FDA was starting to to look into those. Finally approved um, uh, Quadell's test. I think in May. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, May they approved the Sophia two uh, um, COVID uh, antigen test. So I saw that as a potential avenue that we ought to explore. So um, we already had a CLIA waived uh, lab at our pharmacy. We've been doing flu uh, and strep testing for a couple of years. So that wasn't really a barrier for us to have to go down that route route and get that. Um, so reached out to Quadell and they were basically like, now nah, we're only working through four distributors and we're not selling directly. And, okay. Uh, here they patted you on the head and, and, yeah. and said, let's, let's okay. go this way. So I just basically started making phone calls, trying to figure out how do we even get in the, the, the realm for this? Because we had a BD Veritor. The okay. BD didn't have a, didn't have a kit, they didn't have a kit yet. at that, at that time or a test coming out that time. We didn't have a Sophia two or a Sophia one. Um, and so started making some connections. It took me several weeks to try to get into some, to some place. And then finally started talking to somebody who could help me, um, set up a, a, an account with the medical surgical division of, of McKesson because found out through a series of phone calls that my pharmaceutical side of my account wasn't what I needed. I needed to be able to get into the med surge side where physicians sure. and hospitals ordered from. Yeah. Uh, so went through the process of setting up that account, um, I talked with some of their senior leadership. They became convinced that we weren't just a, um, a, a fly-by-night pharmacy that didn't really know what they were doing in the point-of-care testing world. Uh, talked about our experience with flu and strep, signed a, an agreement uh, to be exclusive with Quidel, which was the only one at the time anyway. Um, and, and then it took us maybe six weeks after that to finally get some tests. And so second week of July, um, I told my wife, I said, well, th- these tests are coming in. Uh, we still don't have our Sophia two. Um, they they loaned us a Sophia one, uh, which was the original uh, yeah. test. Um, uh, they just had they had uh, the, my my local rep had had one and was like, well, we'll get you the Sophia two eventually. Let's let's use the Sophia one for the time being. The test will work on it. So we're like, perfect. That at least get us started. And so we get this case of three hundred tests in, and it cost multiple thousands of dollars. And Anne looked at me and she said, "This better work because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to lose this much money." Yeah. And I said, "I have a feeling the demand's going to be there, but I'm not sure." So the literally the day that we got the the first case t- okay. test in, um, we had somebody come in who was not feeling well, and uh, uh, and one of our other pharmacists, Corey Gordon, basically said, "Hey, we just got these tests in. You want us to test you for COVID?" And she's like, uh, oh, okay, sure. So we did a test on that person. It was our first, our first one. We all kind of learned on the fly. We'd, we'd done nasal swab tests yeah. before because of, of the flu stuff, but our flu test. So we did it. That person was negative. And like she leaves, she was ecstatic. We told her that she could still be testing too early. We, you know, we started going through all of the, 
the kind of counseling that you have to do. Um, uh, she left, and within 20 minutes, the phone starts ringing. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was like, hey, we heard you're doing COVID tests. And we're like, excuse us? We, we just literally got this in. Well, I just talked to so-and-so. She said she got one, and so I, I want to see if I can come get one. And so that first day, <clears throat> just by happenstance, word of mouth, I think we did five or six the first day. Wow. Um, and so we got home that night, and I told Anne, I was like, you know, this is – this is going to be a little bit more than, than I think we can manage just with the telephones. I'm going to look tonight to see if we can try to schedule or create an online scheduling platform for, for these tests. And so um, I did, you know, our website is hosted through Wix. And so they had a, yeah. just an online booking like a plug platform. Kind of thing. Yeah. So just kind of a plug and play thing. It's not the best out there at all, but at least it worked. And so set it up and we, so we started playing with it. We're like, okay, so we'll schedule an appointment every 15 minutes and see how this goes. And so I opened and I think I had 20 or 24 appointments available for that day. So we got up that morning and did zero advertising with it. It was wow. just this word of mouth. And my email on my phone starts going bing, bing, bing. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. So I look and it's like, oh, somebody scheduled for 10.15. Oh, somebody scheduled for 10.30. And all of a sudden I look and within two hours, all 24 spots were gone. And so I called uh, Ann at the store and I said, all these spots for today are filled. And she's like, the phone won't stop ringing. She's like, uh, <laughs> do you and, even have the staff at I, the time? Did you even have yeah, the, like, no, no, ish? no, this is, like, part, this is part of this. No, no, no. Ish. This and is and this is how Scott right. started working 16 hour days. <laughs> yeah. It's more like 20, but thanks for, <laughs> thanks for the, the downgrade there. But the, uh, um, you know, the, so it, it quickly, that, that day we were supposed to do 24. We ended up with 55 that first oh, day. My. Gosh. And we were like, holy cow, we, this may be something here. So we quickly had to like figure out, okay, number one, we can't do this six or eight consecutive hours of the day because we still have to run a pharmacy. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we, we ended up thinking, okay, let's figure out how do we block off spots of time during the day and we don't need to have them be 15 minutes apart. That's absurd because um, it takes, um, you know, 10 minute, uh, you know, 15, I can't remember off the top of my head. Now you put me on the spot. We right. have to sit on the cartridge for a certain period of time. I think it's right. 15 minutes after, after you have, you know, uh, put the sample in the reagent and let it sit for a minute and then pipette it onto the cartridge. It's a whole process. Yep. And so doing it, doing it one time every 15 minutes is not very efficient. If you can bring in and do, um, multiple samples at the same time, right. uh, and you can become more efficient. So we developed those processes. we you know, built a collection tube model that when we collected the sample, we actually put them in collection tubes until we have six or eight of them. We had to build a workflow with how we uh, kept chain of command to know that um, this person's booger on this stick is is Joe Smith's, and yep. this one over here is somebody else. And being sarcastic, of course, of course, we try to avoid we try to avoid boogers. Right. Uh, but but this sample is this person. This sample is the others. And so we built a workflow that that worked with that. Um, which meant that now we're doing, doing tests every five minutes instead of every 15 so that we can bulk them up more. Um, and we've gotten it so efficient. We hired a whole new pharmacist, uh, Corey Gordon, who is our exclusive COVID testing pharmacist. Wow. Um, we will do anywhere between 60 to 90 a day. Um, and we also nice. built a pretty robust um, business practice very quickly, too. One right. of the things that we learned is that the businesses had a need for making sure, especially the restaurants, that their people were safe. Um, some of them wanted to proactively test. Some some of them wanted to post exposure test. But the one thing that they all needed was access to a consistent supply. And so we pre-sold our tests to our businesses 
um, with a guarantee nice. of a couple of things that they would uh, be able to be worked in the same day right. and that their supply would be segregated and in the back. And when they needed them, whether they bought 20 or whether they bought 200, uh, we would have them back for them uh, if they prepaid That's for them. Such a That's great an interesting idea. idea. Yeah. Such a great idea. Heard anybody else do that you yet? You and Ann, geniuses. Goodness. So, so today, uh, flash forward, and I, I, we can talk more about the, the testing if you want to, but flash forward, we got to the end of the year from yep. from July, uh, second week of July until uh, December 31st, we crossed the 8,000th test mark. There you go. Uh, during that period of time uh, uh, in 2020. So our worries about March, how 2020 was going to turn out, uh, by the time we got to the end of 2020, besides a lot more gray hair and a, a bunch of more bags under the eyes, turned out to be a really good year for the pharmacy. And the, the most important thing for from us from a business perspective is that we built a couple of things. We built a new appointment-based model right. that I think will continue through to many, many other things that we do. And we built... Uh, uh, a market for an all cash service that yes. we think will continue to be um, something that we can grow, not just with COVID testing, but with with other clinical services down the road. And and uh, and we and now we know we can do it right. And but we also know a few other things. We had to hire um, a dedicated scheduler. So I mean, oh, wow. who would have thought that a pharmacy would buy uh, would, would would buy would would hire a scheduler? Right. Uh, we. We've we've had to uh, we had to install a new phone system uh, recently, which I uh, I hated because we were one of those old timey pharmacies that would still just pick up the phone every time and not right. have one of those automated attendants. But sure. this became un, untenable to be able to do that. Um, our store is old; it's built was built in the fifties, and so we've had to get creative with how we how we do dedicated lab space, uh, which yeah. was our dedicated immunization space. But we've had to kind of you know, reformat how we do all of that. But, but long story short, like I said earlier, because, uh, we are, uh, an N of one from a, a store perspective and, and we have, you know, one, one set of leadership structure, which is Ann and I, we get, we get to make those changes overnight if we want to. And we've done that and we've made them better with the input of our staff. And we've got a really good process that has become the, um, become, you know, really, really well known. And I'll tell you one, one last thing, and I'm sorry to keep prattling about you, this. You're good. I love it. I love it. But, but, but one of the things that, that we also did, uh, just because it carries over from my association management experience and from my advocacy experience, uh, is that we write press releases every once in a while, whenever we're ready to try to like cause it. a little bit of, yeah. cause a little bit of, of, of stir. And so the day before we launched our antigen testing, I just wrote a Quick one-page uh, press, presser, and I uh, uh, sent it out to the, the the major NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox stations in mm -hmm. town, as well as our statewide daily newspaper. Uh, and lo and behold, on day one, we had two of those four stations uh, show up the day that we were doing our COVID testing and do interviews. Uh, and guess who appeared on the six o'clock and ten o'clock news that night? That's My why, wife talking yeah. about right. uh, talking about what independent pharmacy is doing to try to help people out during the the COVID. Uh, crisis. And so, you know, and guess how much that cost? I'm going to go Zero. with no money, yeah. right? No money. It just cost a little bit of time and a little bit of uh, elbow grease. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, the pandemic's off, obviously, you know, awful, but there's a couple of things that are going to come out of this that we think will be really helpful for pharmacy. You know, we've probably pushed forward the ability to immunize and test and, you know, push the appointment-based model probably a decade. You know, you've completely, you know, yeah. if you need a paradigm shift in, in how things happen, you take away people's ability to do it the old way. Yeah. And now you've got this new 
patients come in, they expect to be able to get a test in 15 minutes at their pharmacy. They expect to be able to get a vaccine. So where's the leap between that and being able to do diabetes education or COPD education? Yeah, or just making sure they're educated right. on flu. Right, right. now, and th- this is an expectation. Right, yeah. it's an expectation of things you can and should get at your pharmacy. And that's not going to happen at your big box retail locations, right? You've, you've it, built in this niche that is just really good. Yeah, it's a great niche. And I'm a big fan of the, of the phrase necessity is the motherhood of all inventions. And, and I think that that's, that's kind of what this year or 2020 was for, for us was figuring out that we did have a need to help satisfy and to take care of a patient population that was concerned about um, their own health, the health of their family members, the health of their employees. Um, we have an opportunity to uh, serve that need, make money in the process, evolve our business. Uh, and it was just a matter of going, let's try it. Uh, and I think sometimes we get so fixated in what we do do that we don't get uh, focused enough on what we can do. Um, and uh, uh, one, of my, one of our business clients, actually, that uh, have become uh, good friends of ours, um, he was at the end of the year, I was talking to him and I said, well, Michael, tell me about what 2020 uh, means to you, kind of reflecting back. Uh, and he said, let's see if I can get this right. He basically was saying that 2020 for him was about, um, you know, not being defined by what you didn't think you could do and being defined by what you didn't know you had to do. Uh, and that's that. uh, again, that's paraphrasing, but it's sure. But it but it's exactly right. And we were reflecting on the the uh, uh, the relationships that we built in 2020 that we never would have. But for the pandemic, sure. and but for trying these things, the business opportunities that came about. But for the the pandemic, uh, and um, it's it's not all been good uh, for anybody. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but uh, but I think if you reflect and, and, and are honest with yourself, that uh, there's been some good th- good things that have come out uh, of that. And 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 I think immunizations, the the vaccine uh, is another example of something that's that's coming that's going to be great or tier that's going to be great for for pharmacy. The other thing I'm gonna really quick though, I sure. I just hear. Again, it's a common thread we're hearing with with folks like the uh, Kavanaugh Pharmacy and, and Terrytown and Ellis already doing immunizations, already had a CLIA waiver, right? Already did flu testing. They're just so prepared um, and, and, right, and, and for that, all of that. Well, so hats off to you guys for that, all of this. I things. think a lot of it comes to you. When we go talk to pharmacies about trying to do new things, the most common thing we hear is, I just don't have time for that. <laughs> and sure, it, no, no one don't. does. All, no, right? all yeah. I can think of is that ain't nobody got yeah. time for that. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I love video, that. Right? I love clip, that GIF. You know? Yeah, I love that yeah. GIF. <laughs> but you know, like you guys have shown that you have to make time to do those forward thinking things every now and then, right? Sometimes you have to do a little homework at night and be like, maybe I should buy an ultra low temperature freezer. Maybe I should <laughs> harass my McKesson rep about how to get the test. You know, like those things that seem like they're superfluous in the time, you know, you got to like, and Jeff says this to me occasionally and it stuck, I guess, but he was like, you can't get ready. You got to be ready. Yeah, it's a Jeffism. It, it's such a Jeff thing to say, <laughs> but it's totally <laughs> true. Um, you know, I, you guys I, were ready I, I, when the, the problem it's happened. Yoda, it's very Yoda. Of him it, it is yeah. very Yoda. That is so, so true. Um, all right. So let's kind of, and now you're, I, I was, I was scanning y'all site really cool. You, you have a way to, like you said, pay for a test, um, come in, schedule for appointment, but also, um, looks like you're one of the main, you know, places for vaccine there in Little Rock, um, as well. Yes. 
So, so Josh mentioned the the late night homework. So, I mean, you, you actually almost described one of our late night uh, discussions in June or July when um, I was doing some late night homework, reading up on Pfizer and Moderna and AZ and Johnson and Johnson and whose vaccine was going to come to market first. And and we, to, to your point, Mark, we've had a very good and robust uh, immunization practice over the over the last number of years, uh, uh, and so we've become you know a go to source for for a lot of immunizations too. And so we're like, we definitely want to be in the COVID immunization game. Um, and so how do we do it? So at, at, in the summer, it looked to me like Pfizer was going to be first to market. And so I, uh, Ann and I were talking one night and uh, talked to another pharmacist who's a business partner of ours uh, one, one evening, and Kenny Harrison, and called him and said, hey, Kenny, I'm going to go drop about six grand on a freezer. Is that okay? <laughs> how do you feel about huh? <laughs> How do you feel about this? And he goes, uh, well, whatever, what's it for? Uh, and I said, well, I, I think the Pfizer vaccine may be the first one to come out. And I am uh, I'm convinced that if we are in a place to be able to house it, then we'll be in a place to be able to get yeah, it and yeah. thus to be able to administer it. Uh, and so, I mean, because it, it's, it's all very stepwise, right? I mean, I know... Today we know that you can store it in the in the, the the thermal shipper for a period of time, but we didn't know that then. And the truth is, yeah. people don't like you doing that now. So we took a chance. We we I don't I think it was six thousand bucks with shipping, uh, which is a lot of friggin' money. Yeah, uh, that was that was friggin' by the way. So for, I still yeah, have sorry, you still got one. Still on the table. Uh, it's on the table. Um, so uh, we ordered it and. Anne thought I was crazy. She's like, this is, this is ridiculous. Where are we going to put this thing? And I said, we're going to put it in your office. It's not a big deal. It's really not, a, not a big deal. <laughs> so I'll be, be darn a week later. I mean, this thing happened quick. A week later, there is a crate uh, at the pharmacy. And she calls me and she's like, there's a crate here. What did you order? And I said, oh, I think it might be the freezer. I didn't expect it to come this quickly. Right, right. So it's this massive wooden crate now sitting in our in our uh, basically the front end of our store because we have nowhere else to put it at the time. And she's, she's like, what are you going to do with it? And I'm like, I'm just going to leave it here for right now because we don't know when this vaccine's coming. I don't really want to uncrate it. I mean, somebody might need it for tissue specimens if Pfizer doesn't get their vaccine approved. You know, this, I, I consider this, you know, a commodity that we can turn if we have to down the road. But for, for right now, it's an insurance policy. So um, once it looked like Pfizer was moving down the, the, the pathway, um, I called our Department of Health, uh, Dr. Jennifer Dillahay, who's our state's epidemiologist, but is somebody who I've had a relationship for a number of years. And I said, hey, Dr. Dillahay, I just want you to know that we have an ultra low temperature freezer capable of going down to negative 86 degrees Celsius sitting in our pharmacy now. And whenever we know that Pfizer vaccines come and we're ready and we want to help the state, we want to help patients. And she's like, that is so fantastic to know. I'm going to going to make a note of that. I want you to email this person within the department. We're going to start building an infrastructure list in the state, and nice. we're glad to have you at the nice. top of that list. Yep. So that's awesome. That's relationships. It's another big piece that yeah. we don't talk about enough. Uh, and when I say relationships, I mean outside of pharmacy. Yeah, no, right. like, I bet yeah, you know your that, public health department. That's we a talk, common, yeah. yeah, that's every time we've talked to somebody who's yeah. been successful at this, they're like, I know my local public health. I know my local right. representatives. I have relationships with all of them. Thank you, it's Trip Logan. Insanely important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Trip, Trip's not a Trip's not a bad guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> so so yeah, so we so we bought the freezer, told the health department about it, yeah. and then it looks all of a sudden like Pfizer may actually happen. So after a couple of months of the crate sitting in the in the front end of the pharmacy, looking looking incredibly professional. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you could dress it up, maybe make it look rustic or something. I, I, no. I could not. No, I could not. Right. It was a crate. Right. Uh, but right. but I tried. You know, perhaps it was Egyptian <laughs> artifacts sitting there waiting to right. be unpacked. Right. Tell everybody so, it's the uh, the 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 leg lamp from a Christmas story. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, this this would have been a large leg. <laughs> uh, it was big. Anyway, so we we had to, we opened the crate. Uh, we put it in the uh, in Ann's office, like I threatened to do, mm-hmm. and uh, we 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 fired it up and to make sure that it would it would hold uh, temperature. And sure enough, it it would. And uh, so my first experiment with it, once it got down to its negative eighty degrees and was there for about twenty four hours, was to put a Snickers in it to see just how long it would take to Love freeze it. a Snickers. Yeah, uh, and it took all of about you know seventy seconds, I think, Jeez. for a Snickers to. To go from palatable to to construction a chocolate grade. log. Yeah, yeah. So it was construction. I, I've I've got two really important takeaways from this so far. Is one that Mark did a lot more legal reading than I would have expected, <laughs> and right. I'm very impressed. And I've not met Anne, but she sounds like a lovely woman. Like. You seem to torment her pretty effectively. Uh, well, we, she is a lovely woman, uh, and uh, she she is the heart and soul of our family, and the reason our pharmacy is successful. Um, and I, I think she's pretty darn amazing. Uh, but uh, thank you for recognizing that. Yeah. Um, okay, so now fast forward a little bit. How's getting the vaccine? How's you know, what's that like? What's it like to set those appointments and, and, and have those people come in and, and, and go through one a and, and go through one B now? Um, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a challenge. Um, before I get to that though, let me tell you, none of that's possible without us actually being able to have vaccine. Uh, and we don't yeah. have vaccine just because we have the freezer. We have vaccine because we've got a state pharmacy association that has likewise been plugged in with the State Department of Health and the governor's office from oh, not just not just moment one, but from moment, you know, negative six months or negative five years. The relationship with our State Department of Health started when I was at the Pharmacist Association and we got a grant to help increase adult immunizations for flu and, right. and pneumonia and shingles years and years ago. And that's what fostered that relationship. And and Eric Crumball and then John Vinson were the people that really took that to the next level um, and, and set the table years ago for us to be able to even be in the picture now. And so today it's not just me. I mean, uh, my pharmacy and, and four other pharmacies in the state that have ultra low temperature freezers were the first to get vaccine for the purpose of what we called being a pharmacy strike team. Um, our governor's office wanted to make sure that all of the hospitals in the state got access to the Pfizer vaccine at the same time. And that was almost impossible to do when you know that the Pfizer vaccine comes in a tray of 195 vials, which is 975 doses. And some of these community critical access hospitals may only have 50 employees that need vaccine. So we had to figure out a way to do that. So John Vincent and the team at the Pharmacist Association built five strike teams. And those five strike teams got a tray of vaccine each in that very first week. And our, our job with that tray of vaccine was to get it out to hospitals that were assigned to us for their first doses and then three weeks later for their second doses so that every hospital that was an acute care hospital in the state got access to those first doses the first week. And so we were basically drug mules uh, 
for the first week yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, of having vaccine. But it was great because it gave us experience in how to deal with the vaccine. Yep. Uh, there was generally enough vaccine left over for us to be able to vaccinate our staff, nice. uh, which was important if we were going to be handling the vaccine, vaccinating people. It was really important for my staff because we've been doing these COVID tests for months and months and months. And I've been worried about our staff being uh, you know, subjected, although we've been super careful and hadn't had any uh, expo- exposure or, or positive tests. Um, but, uh, you know, it, so that was, that was a good trial run. And then we started getting actual vaccine for us to be able to administer to those 1A people. Uh, and so that was, we knew our scheduling from, uh, from, uh, the testing would be an important kind of stepping stone for us. And so we have grown our scheduling from just what we did with, with Wix and that's fine, but it wasn't going to be the platform we needed for vaccines right. to now, to now we're using a, a, pr- a program called Acuity. Uh, yeah. QD scheduling, yep. mm-hmm. which is actually a really robust uh, scheduler, very cost efficient to help schedule our our folks. Um, and what we learned in that scheduling process uh, with our first the first thirty people that we vaccinated, we just brought them into the pharmacy and said, "Hey, let's vaccinate you and kind of treat you like it's a flu vaccine." And my, my new motto for this uh, COVID vaccine experience has been, "This isn't flu vaccine." Even pharmacists think of it as flu vaccine initially until they handle it for the first week or two, until they administer it for the first week or two, until they do the post-vaccination observation period. Um, and nothing about it except the physical act of putting a needle in someone's deltoid and right. injecting it yeah. is like flu. That is the only similarity. It's stored different. It's reconstituted different. Um, you have to use it in a certain period of time. Otherwise it'll expire. You've got to schedule people because of that, um, uh, because of the, the handling and, and the expiration issues. You've got to keep people for 15 minutes after the vaccination to make sure that they don't have a reaction. So you've got to observe them. And none of that lends itself into the existing workflow that we yeah. already had. Right. So we knew we had to figure out a way to build a different workflow. And for us, that meant finding a space close to the pharmacy, which is about six or seven blocks down the the street, uh, and creating our own COVID-19 vaccination center. Um, And so we have a standalone uh, center now that is exclusively for vaccinating people against COVID-19. It's not open eight hours a day because we don't have enough vaccine to go that, uh, that far. But we have now built through a couple of weeks of trial and error and now into this 1B group where we've got these 70 and older and, and educators that are coming in. Uh, we are scheduling people every two minutes uh, to come in for their wow. vaccine. We've built yeah. a workflow where uh, the acuity, all the information captures the consent uh, uh, on the front end. So we've got it all printed off and ready to go. We've got a holding tank for people to be pulled into the center vaccination area and then 18 seats in the back for observation. And what's so great about it is we're paying a pharmacist to be there to do all of this. And the community has coalesced around us. And we have six to eight volunteers a day that are there helping to make the center a reality. Uh, And they are, you know, just uh, wonderful folks with a heart of service that want to see us all get out of this pandemic. And uh, they're they're putting their time where their heart is. And that is a, a really, a really fun thing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, what I have to say. <laughs> oh, that that's just going to be the clip. It's just like I'm telling you. Wow. Yeah. It, again, there a lot of common threads. Like you, you hear, you know, Barry and Rannon and, and, and Trip and all those guys talk about, I know the people in my community, like you were saying, what we were mm-hmm. saying, I was prepared. I went and 
speculatively bought <laughs> a um, ultra low freezer tugging it and, and really uh, hats off to you guys and everybody on your team. That's, that's really grinding through that. And then also the, not to like, I want to miss, I don't want to miss this either. It's a kind of a culture too, as well of, of that. And then what it did, like starting to bring people in and, and, and cool, we're going to really test for COVID. Now we're going to really vaccinate for COVID and making sure your staff's comfortable. Right. Um, well, you know, and even you take that beyond, you know, what these guys are doing. I've been on an email group with, with Scott Rannon and, um, and Mark from Eric's pharmacy in, in Pennsylvania. And, you know, these guys went out, they learned how to do it themselves. It was scrappy. They pieced it together. And all three of these guys have been coming in and saying, Hey, it'd be cool if pioneer could do X, Y, or Z, not yeah. for them. Right. Yeah. They're already doing it. It's for right. the other 4,000 yeah, stores no that need that help. So it's that selflessness of, Hey, we're going to do this and we're not just going to hoard this knowledge. We're going to spread this knowledge and make all of these independents do better. Um, and well, it's, it's, it's com community cool. pharmacy is not just the community you serve. It's the community you're a part of. Uh, and I think that that's, what's so great about, uh, independent pharmacy is that, uh, you know, when I when I first was that delivery driver in '94 that I talked about at the beginning, I think it was much more cutthroat and super competitive. And today, I think people have adopted much more of an, an all boats rise philosophy. Yeah, uh, and true. and I think I think that's cool. And I think some of that is because we all are recognizing that we're in the same the literal same boat of mm -hmm. dealing with the same issues, the same challenges, having the same opportunities, and that there's enough to go around for all of us. Uh, but it's better when we're all, yeah. uh, you know, working at, at the top of what we can do because we recognize today more than ever, especially with social media, that a bad actor reflects even worse on all of us. Yeah. Uh, and it's better to have all good actors or as many good actors as possible because that reflects well on us. And so, you know, that's that's, a, I think, just a difference in, in mindset. Uh, and, and it's it's been it's been important for sure. Um, well, Scott. Thank you so much for your time, um, what you're doing, what you did with obviously Act 900 and, and all the work you did with um, Rutledge, PCMA, everything. And I'm sure like Josh said, you don't have to buy a, you don't have to buy any drinks for yourself, at least around, <laughs> around independent pharmacy or us. Uh, that's hey, for sure. During, during the virtual world, uh, I don't think there's any drinks being bought uh, at all during, <laughs> during virtual happy hours, but, uh, uh, maybe down the road. For sure. Say, well, let, let put me, a member, kettle one. one. Yeah, the kettle one, definitely. I want, to, I want to say one last thing about Arkansas pharmacies, because I think this is important. It's not just us that, that are tackling uh, COVID vaccine. Um, there are now 212 Arkansas pharmacies that are part of vaccine distribution in our state. Yes. This, this week, there are 37,000 doses of vaccine that came into the state of Arkansas this week. 17,000 of those were administered in the first 24 hours this week. Nice. So in the first 24 hours of those 212 pharmacies uh, uh, getting those doses, they were in people's arms and doing what they were supposed to. Arkansas is now number 14 on the list of doses um, uh, given as a percentage of what they received. And we're number, uh, I think we're in the top 10 or top five in number of second dose completions, which is going to be uh, even even more important. And so John Vincent at our pharmacist association, because we've got 212 stores currently in this, uh, he, he says, hey, you know, that's the boiling point of water. And so Arkansas Pharmacy <laughs> has has reached a boil and we are bringing the heat when it comes to uh, it. Uh, vaccinating Arkansas and Arkansans against COVID. Uh, they're doing amazing work. It's not 
Uh, please don't think it is is just us. There are yeah. a ton of hardworking folks that are innovating. Uh, we are getting together frequently on calls to share best practices, to share frustrations. Uh, I mean, when the, when the governor announced the other day that we were moving to 1B, um, people stopped listening and just started calling their pharmacies and phones yeah. essentially blew up from uh, mm-hmm. uh, north to south, east to west in our state. There's been a lot of challenges, but we got a whole bunch of people that are up to tackling the challenges, and we're hopeful that Pioneer and, and uh, Josh and, and his crew will help us to figure out uh, ways to make uh, Pioneer work in this new world for, for COVID vaccine for all of us. Absolutely. Um, well, Scott, with all that, I'll say this. You did the best job of thanking everybody and, and, and acknowledging <laughs> as many people as you acknowledged. You know, it's it, a team effort. It it's was so effort. good. You know, a lot of people do. You get on camera, you kind of forget stuff. I do. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, but man, um, again, hats off what you guys are doing. Thank you for being on. Hey, my Thanks pleasure, guys. Thanks a lot. See Take care. Thank you for listening to the Catalyst Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and or following us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. Follow Pioneer Rx on your preferred social media platform for the latest up-to-date pharmacy news and content.